What's going on, good people, and welcome to Live by the Three, a Raptors podcast with your boy, Curly. I am joined by a Live by the Three regular, running off the screen host via Raptors Republic, the one they call Mac. Welcome back, brother. I would say long time no talk, but that would be a lie. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's fun coming on this show. Appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a very busy guy, you know, doing your little sports net spots. I shouldn't say ah. little. Let me not <laughs> let me not downplay that. Doing your sports net spots, you know, you're, you're becoming too popular. Don't forget about us little people, you know, when you, oh, when you nah. make it to the top. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. I'm going to bring you guys with me, you know. Uh, I appreciate it, brother. All right. So, folks, as you know, the Summer League has tipped off the Raptors have brought a very unique team to the Summer League. And we are two games in. I know it's a little bit late, but when your major telecom provider decides to have a power outage and you are crippled for 24 hours, and I know some people have been crippled for days on end, kind of delays our delivery. But nonetheless, we are here. And let's quickly revisit our Summer League. That has already tipped off. The Raptors faced the Sixers and beat them in convincing fashion. 97 to 77, led by Armani Brooks. He had 25 points off the bench, five threes. Delano Banton was shooting the ball, which is which is pleasant to see. He chipped in with 21 points, going two for three from the three-point line, seven for nine from the free throw line. And those two were pretty much the highlight. Christian Coloco chipped in with 12 points and seven rebounds. Ron Harper Jr. kind of struggled, but finished with nine points. Mac, I know it was only the first game, but what was your general feel with that Raptors lineup that we saw on the floor? I I, I know um, Delano Banton had a great stat line, but he did start off pretty slow. I know he had that dunk at the beginning, but I, I noticed that there was a lot of turnovers and whatnot, but it was great to see him get his feet under him display what he was working on all all through the summer and i think they should shut him down i think they should just give the other guards that you want to get a look at because we know delano's going to make the team as far as i know like as far as it looks like from now he's the guy he's going to be our backup point guard and i think it'll be good to get another look at these guys like give um alex barcelo a chance i i know i did a piece on him uh, on my youtube channel talking about the three-point shooter it would be nice to see those guys come in and do their thing. And to add to that, I like what I see from Jeff Downton. I think if I was to predict who would get that second two-way contract, I think he might be the guy in the in the lead at the moment. But I like what I see from him. And also Christian Coloco. I know you, you mentioned the 12 and 7. In that first game, he gave you three steals and three blocks as well. Now, he d- did a lot of fouling. I, I, I wouldn't call half of those fouls. And I think in the NBA, like in the big leagues, they might not have called half of those, but it was good to see him display his his defensive potential. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better. Um, Yeah, there was a lot of fouls on the Christian Coloco front, but I loved his effort. I love his energy that he brought on on the defensive side of the ball. I do agree that Doughton looks like the front runner right now. I love his energy. I love his hustle also. And he plays with a fearlessness that we could definitely benefit from i do agree that we probably should shut down delano banton i think he's shown enough up until this point that he's playing with more confidence he's playing with more pace he's playing more times than not under control and that's something that 
you would expect someone going into their second year you know they have the, the first year jitters we'll call it and they, they go through their their ups and downs and it's not like he's on an island by himself he he's developed a great rapport with Pascal Siakam who's been in a in his situation similar situation I should say and you know look at where Pascal is you know NBA champion all-star all, best all power NBA. forward you, best you, power you, forward in Raptors right? history <laughs> yeah well we'll save that conversation for another day but I do agree the fact that Raptors Twitter is going in going absolutely insane over the idea of somehow leveraging Chris Bosh over Pascal Siakam is beyond me but uh, again yeah. we'll save that conversation for another day but the second game not as appealing as the first one and before I get into that I have failed to mention the entire roster for our Raptors Summer League team so we got Radion's Karutz, Amarni Brooks, Ron Harper Jr., DJ Wilson is back. Justin Champagny, unfortunately, has a fracture in his thumb, and he's not going to be able to play very disappointing news. Christian Vital, David Johnson, Trey Porter, Abu Kijab, St. Catherine's native, Jeff Dowden, Jalen Sims, Alex Barcello, Christian Coloco, Ryan Hawkins, and Delano Banton. We didn't get to see all these players play, obviously, but... In the second game that transpired on July 12th, the Bulls taking on the Raptors. And the Raptors didn't really show much after the first quarter. It was pretty much all Chicago in the second and third, but there was a fight from the Raptors, but it was too little too late, 93-83. And Delano Banton came out firing on all cylinders, shooting from the perimeter. He had 18 points. Four rebounds and five assists. Jeff Dowden, as previously mentioned, 16 points, three three rebounds, two assists. DJ Wilson chipped in with 10 points. Christian Coloco really struggled. He was not able to match the physicality of the Chicago Bulls. He only had five points and four rebounds. And I would say one bright spot would be Ryan Hawkins going three for five from three, shooting from the logo uh, towards the end of the game. I think it was around the 24 second mark. He hit a logo three and kind of looks like a younger Boyan Bogdanovich. And that would be a pleasant sight to see on the Raptors bench. But Mac, what's your what's your takeaway in the second game? Yeah, the second game is it's, it was the garbage time game. It was nice to see those guys come out that didn't really get a chance to well, didn't even really they didn't even get any chance in the first game. And you mentioned Ryan Hawkins with those three three pointers. I really liked what I seen from him when I watched highlights before the summer league. And uh, he's a little bit of an older rookie. I think he's 25 this year, 24. Yeah, 25 right now. And I like what I saw from him. And I also wanted to give a shout out to Jalen Sims. I know it was a guy who I, I was mentioning to you off the record. And I, I liked what I saw from his mid-range game. Uh, he had a couple uh, dribble pull-ups from the elbow that looked nice. And I like that he got into his defensive stance uh, and he really looked locked in on the defensive end with the limited time that he had. So I really, really like his mentality. And I think I, I again, I alluded to his mentality in my, my episode on YouTube there. And talking about mentality, one thing that kind of stood out to me, and I think I tweeted about it, Christian Coloco, I know he had a rough game and I know I've been high on him. And I, I, I obviously it's the only summer league, the future is bright, but I don't like, I don't like the body language I'm seeing from when he makes mistakes. You know, he'll have a miss, he'll have a, a turnover or he'll he'll get bodied and he'll he'll just hang his head low like jangle his arms like a little kid 
instead of just staying locked in, going to the next play and trying to make effort on that end. Hopefully he cleans that up. He's still young. Maybe he just wants to make a great first impression, but a part of that impression has to be his maturity. And I hope that doesn't transfer to the NBA. I hope it doesn't transfer to like when the bright lights come to him because it's going to get a lot more difficult than where he is now. So I hope he can um, maybe lock in. Maybe the assistant coaches like Earl Watson or Rico Hines can get to him and tell him, like, listen, there's another play. You know, like, don't don't lose yourself. You know, you mentioned that and he kind of gives me some Chris Boucher vibes. The way Boucher kind of came in. I know Boucher was a little bit more seasoned than Coloco, but he would have those moments where he would make a mistake. And I'm talking about Boucher and he would jog back on defense or he's hanging his head low and take a silly foul just out of frustration. And I mean, look at where Boucher is now. So it, it is relatively early and I be- truly do believe that he is trying to make a, a strong first impression. But if he's going to be our defensive anchor of the future, we can't have him taking those those mental lapses or mm-hmm. having those those plays off. You know, I, I look at Ron Harper Jr., who's had a disappointing summer league up until this point. But the one thing I, I, I admire about him and I, and I was very high on him and excited that they signed him to a two way deal is that he's still engaged. He's mm-hmm. always in next play mode. Mm-hmm. We can talk about his athleticism in terms of getting back on defense. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it isn't. But you expect that with young players. But I love his determination. So hopefully all that can rub off on Colloquial and, and, you know, maybe Earl, uh, Earl Watson and Rico Hines bends Coloco's ear a little bit because he is going to have an important role in the very near future. So we need him locked in and... You hope that being a four-year guy, some of those intangibles from being a four-year guy would definitely translate over to the NBA. Yeah, I agree. And uh, let's say this, like with young bigs, any young big in the league, their bread and butter is point guard play. If your point guard isn't feeding you at this stage of his career, it's going to be, it's going to look rough. It's going to look like how it looked today, mm-hmm. you know? So I think when, when he's on the court with like a Fred Van Vliet, or even a Scotty, guys who can really set him up and get him in positions where he can just go up and dunk it. He just can sprint. Because there's a there was a moment, I think it was in the first game against, was it Philly? Yeah. He sprinted past everyone down the court. He was wide open and no one gave him the ball. And you could see he was like frustrated and back down on the defensive end, he was kind of like talking to the guy like, yo, I was there. Like, what are you doing? I think those moments won't happen with the big club. You know, I Scotty will throw his no-look passes. <laughs> You know, Fred will get will catch him off the pick and roll. And Malachi Flynn, if he's still around, I, I'm like kind of shipping him away. But Malachi Flynn, <laughs> if he's there, he he excelled. He excelled in the pick and roll. So I think we're going to see a lot better from Coloco in the near future. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, to, to piggyback on that point that it, it is just summer league and there was many opportunities. I, I kind of don't like that whoever plays a small forward spot right now is kind of a forgotten man yeah. and you know there was many opportunities where the ball was in Benton's hand or even Dowden's hand and like they would miss Ron Harper or anybody else that's playing that forward position Coloco uh, sometimes DJ Wilson and I think all that will be polished with more experience and time but we just have to stay patient with them so two games in the books let's touch on a couple unknown players like we've mentioned some returnees and we got some summer league signings but 
let's touch on a few players that we have both been interested in and we're going to talk about alex barcello out of byu uh, a sharp shooting point guard uh, which would be a welcome sight on the raptors especially coming off the bench basically uh, and i don't want to throw shade basically doing what malachi flynn was supposed to be doing for us with his shooting ability but mac give me your feelings on alex barcello well he's you did a good intro intro for him because he's gonna be that that lock knockdown shooter that we needed um he's similar play style not play style similar off the ball to matt thomas off ball, I mean, like he, he he knows how to find his spots on around the perimeter, but the difference between him and Matt Thomas is that he's a decent playmaker and he has good leadership. He showed a lot of good leadership with his uh, team at BYU. Uh, they came to him at any time that they were down. He was the guy to pick them up. And again, the three point shooting. We need three point shooting. He last three seasons he shot forty five percent from three, which is insane. And he did it in a variety of ways. And he doesn't focus on the three-point shot. He likes to bait people into the, the the three and just drive past, do his little floaters. He has decent toucher on the rim. And he has good awareness. Cause he, again, like Hawkins, he's a little bit of an older player. I believe he's 24 years old um, because he transferred. Um, I think he's a five-year senior. He transferred from Arizona. He started at Arizona. Ironically. Yeah, he's a five-year guy. Yeah. Yeah, so... So that might take into why he's so aware on the court because he's he's played a lot of ball, a lot of organized ball. And uh, yeah, I, I like what I see from him. Yep. Uh, I don't have anything to dispute Let's let, or add to it. So let's move <laughs> on to another player that we've mentioned, Jeff Dowden out of Rhode Island. He's a bit of a journeyman in the early part of his career. I think he bounced around with the Warriors, the Magic and the Bucks, I believe. Uh, 6'3 guard, 185 pounds. Uh, in his college career, average just around 11 points, just under three rebounds and just under four assists per game. Mac, he kind of reminds me of a slightly bigger Fred Van Vliet in a way, just kind of maybe not so much locked in defensively, but just he, he plays around with a fearlessness. He knows how he knows how to use his body well. He's far more athletic than Fred Van Vliet. He definitely beats him in that category. But he can get kind of lost on the offensive side of the ball. But when he's engaged and locked in, he can quite possibly be a very good floor general for us. Yeah, I believe Jeff Dowden, he's, he has the ceiling to be a great backup in the league. I, I liken him a little bit more to a little bit of a shorter DeLon Wright, where he could set up your offense for you. Uh, he has a good size. I don't know what his wingspan is, but you could tell he has a pretty decent wingspan on him for his height. Yeah, and, I definitely uh, like that comparison, DeLon, right? Yeah, that that that's actually far more accurate for sure. Yeah, he's a little more steady there. And uh, in the G League, um, he had a five to one assist to turnover ratio. So that's pretty good. You know, five assists to one turnover there. And he shot a decent clip from three. And and uh, I watched it. I, I always tell people to watch this, hi this highlight. He, he faced the Raptors 905 squad and he dropped 33 on us. And it was nasty. Like he, it was all over the place. He was shooting threes, step backs. Uh, driving to the lane I, I will yeah I would love to see him get that second two-way spot I know it's still early we're only two games in but you could just tell you could tell who's a real hooper out there early on because these guys haven't had a lot of practice together but you could tell who can really mesh when with with good coaching behind him oh absolutely 
And let's talk about your boy, Jalen Sims, four-year man out of UNC Wilmington, 6'6", 195 pounds. He's just a bucket getter, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you, you put me on and I, I immediately went to go see his highlights and then you sent me a highlight clip and it's like, damn, like <laughs> that would be a welcome sight. So tell us about Jalen Sims. Yeah, it's, it's tough for him because he could have went to a bigger school, but he wanted to stay in Carolinas. And uh, yeah, gr- growing up in high school, he he got cut from his varsity team. Uh, he dealt with injuries. I think he had coaching changes. Uh, he got sick. Then COVID happened, and then all like he just always hit a roadblock. And to see him at this level, trying to continue to fight, make the league, uh, it's very inspiring. And in every one of his interviews so far, he just talks about winning a lot. He talks about winning and yes, skill is all is cool and whatever. A lot of people have skill, but it's all about mentality with Messiah Ujiri type teams. You know, you need to have that winning mentality. A guy who just not afraid to compete with his team, doesn't worry about his numbers, but he can light you up if he, if he gets his feet set. And I think that was a problem. Like you might, people might look his highlights up or um, his um, stats up right now and see, well, he shot under 40% from, from the field. I think a part of that was because of, the team around him. I think there wasn't enough around him for him to not have to force up shots at times. And I think with a nice um, nucleus of talent and to bring his up, I think we should see a little bit more of an efficient player from the field and a guy you could mold into a combo scoring guard for you. Yeah, I think the one thing that I really like, it's that mindset that you're talking about. He's saying all the right things. He's faced adversity. And he's still locked in. And if there's one thing the Raptors have done very well is sign and draft character guys. And while his upside is pretty good, we haven't seen much of him yet. But you can't help but think that some of the intangibles he he brings fitting that more. I don't know what his wingspan is, but he kind of falls under that umbrella that he can quite possibly work his way into the 50-man rotation if a roster spots opens up. Listen, he's like, uh, I know you guys seen Dale and Terry play again on Chicago. Yeah. To me, um, Simmons is a poor man's Dale and Terry. I can see that. You I know, they have the same, yep. the same body type and they would bring you the same things on the floor with right opportunity. So, yeah. So I would be remiss to not mention a shooter. This is live by the three. And we have a sharpshooter in Ryan Hawkins out of Creighton University. Mac, he just reminds me of Boyan Bogdanovich. He's not that athletic, but he's a competitor. And he could just flat out shoot, man. Tell me about this this sniper. Yeah, like I, I knew he could shoot. But not like that. I didn't know it was going to be from the logo. And watching his highlights and and film from Creighton, he plays with a lot of heart. He really hustles and he has good awareness. And again, I think I was saying this about Barcelo. It's it's those older players who are like in their 23, 24, 25 year range that really show good awareness and hustle on the court. And he brings that. And a couple teams had their eye on Hawkins. He wasn't with the, um, the Warriors Summer League team. Uh, for the California Classic. He didn't really play much there, but it was great to see him um, get his wings out with the Raptors. Yeah, I think what I admire most about him 
is that he was looking to make an impact right off the bat. Yeah. You know, and this was a guy who didn't see the floor in the first game, but then in the second game, he was just trying to be impactful, just co- being competitive on the defensive side, going in for rebounds. He definitely took advantage of the opportunities that came his way. And and I feel like a, a guy like that was sometimes missed last season. We didn't have that guy that had the fearlessness to just take a shot regardless of the circumstances. So he definitely brings a skill set that we would also benefit from. I think it would be a bit of a stretch because he's not very locked in defensively <laughs> uh, to, to crack the rotation. But if it's somebody that we can hold on to and quite possibly call him up when needed, hopefully we have a much more healthier season. But he's definitely a guy that I would like to see the Raptors stash going forward. What do you think? Yeah, he'll be a great addition to the, the 905 squad. Um, but I think he can make good money overseas. He seems like a great overseas pick. It's not because uh, of his pigmentation, but it's because <laughs> it just his, his athletic profile and his play style would really benefit overseas. Um, but yeah, I would. I'm not throwing him there. I just would love to see him with the 905. But yeah, he he kind of like I know the Bogdanovich thing because of the the shooting form and the quick release. Uh, but he does give me some. He kind of gives me that Henry Ellison type of feel too. That's the unathletic guy who will just score in bunches for you if need be, and he um, just provides some hustle for you. And last but definitely not least, we got Abu Kijab out of St. Catharines. He played in Boise State. He was a transfer. Um, had a lot more opportunity at Boise State. And Mac, I know you touched on him in your podcast. This kid, he reminds me of an energetic OG Adenobi. Like when OG is locked in, he plays with this fearlessness and this hustle, and he's not afraid of absorbing contact. He kind of gives me this vibe. Now, he's not as good a shooter as OG is right now, but his effort and hustle and his build gives me those OG vibes. Man, I, I have another comparison for him that, like, when I, the, I think I've seen, like, two, well, I've been following him for a few years, but, like, his recent highlights, there's two that really stood out, and if you squint your eyes, it feels like you're watching O'Shea Percent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just says 6'7", he's a little lanky, 220, he he makes those energy plays, um, can hit a, a occasional three here and there, but he doesn't really have a position on the floor, right? He kind of yeah. just wants to hustle, move around, find find where the, the team needs help, and he'll try and fill those needs uh, while on the court. You don't really run any plays for him. He just gets the job done. Now, I hope to see an extended run from him. I really have high hopes for him as one of our guys to make the 905 squad at least, or even get a little camp deal. I think 20, 20 players make camp. Yeah. So it would be good to add him to the camp and see what goes on there. We do have a plethora of sports, so I don't know how much of a shot he would actually get with the big team. Yeah, it's it's true. We, we, we kind of, we have beyond a log jam at the forward spot, but I think what's more impressive about him is that you don't have to run plays for him. Like he'll make something out of nothing. And I feel that sometimes because we don't have that half court shot creator, like a <coughs> Kevin Durant, um, <laughs> that that somebody like this that can fit that plug and play role and it won't really affect his rhythm or his overall game, that somebody like that would be beneficial in the long run. But, you know, to your point, 
it's kind of hard to envision him as being part of the big team. But if he can definitely stay in the 905, again, one of those players that we can probably keep at bay, I think it'd be a huge benefit because the, the upside, just like everybody else that we mentioned, is will greatly benefit this team. Sorry, I, just a little off topic. But do you think that the NBA should have, like, once every team has a a G League team, do you think they should just make it free-flowing? There's no two-way contracts. There's, you own those players, and you can call them up. Whether or like, How do you feel about that? First of all, I agree. I think that would be beneficial for everyone involved because, you know, imagine investing into a player and, you so know, you're having, you're having a rival team just scoop him. You know, yeah, let's yeah. let's let's say you're you're on a collision course with Milwaukee, for example, and you know I know that Chris Middleton is going in for surgery today, but let's just say hypothetically we got uh, a shooting guard that kind of fits the mold of a Chris Middleton, and we have him on the 905, and the Bucks come in and scoop him, and then he torches us in a yeah. series. Like that would be absolutely aggravating to, yeah. to see. But I, I I feel that if you do have these players, I think maybe you should be able to lock in like a certain amount of players like maybe five players you can kind of stash and keep and then the rest are kind of up for grabs i think that would kind of be beneficial but i definitely like the idea so i i just a suggestion i think they should have two two two-way contracts and then three exclusive rights so the teams can't pluck them they would have to trade for them and give you one of their assets from their g league team to get them onto their roster that's what i think they should do i like that i like that and it also, it, it's fair. You know yeah. what I mean? Because everybody's going to have the same same kind of access. I, I, I actually love that idea. But And they do it with uh, the overseas guys too, right? There's guys, you have exclusive rights to these European players or players who are playing in Europe. And yeah. no one can really take them unless they trade from, for them. And that's, that's the same type of concept. Yeah, I think a level of consistency in that area would definitely be rewarding because, you know, having two different sets of like different sets of rules for, you know, the, the, the end result to be the same for the, for that player to eventually end up on the roster. You you have to jump through these hoops or, yeah, it, it would definitely clean it up. I definitely like your your forward thinking. I, um, you, you definitely put on your Adam Silver cap there with your forward thinking. <laughs> <laughs> So moving on from the summer league, Mac, we know what's been going on. Kevin Durant has basically put a screeching halt on any sort of activity happening into the NBA. And a woge bomb was dropped today on NBA Today, where it seems like Miami is a front runner. They're being far more aggressive on the trade front for KD services. And the Raptors are kind of, I wouldn't say lurking, I don't know what's less than lurking, but they're definitely far, far back than they were before. And it seems like the reason is that Scotty Barnes is not involved in talks. Now, we both know that we're not going to be trading Scotty Barnes in any capacity. But Mac, given the current makeup of this team, and we know that trading for Kevin Durant is going to come at a price. But put on your, your Bobby Webster and Masai cap. Would you rather at this point grow organically with Scotty Barnes or tamper with the core? We'll call it our core six in OG, Gary Tran, Freddie, Pascal, Scotty, and I guess we can throw in Boucher or even or, Precious. Or Precious. Maybe, maybe we could call it core seven. Mm-hmm. Do you tamper with that 
and bring in arguably when healthy the best player on the planet in kevin durant which direction do you go um i'm keeping scotty <laughs> you know yeah, al- sure. although kevin durant is a top five player in the league uh, training for him doesn't really guarantee anything it doesn't guarantee anything and the east isn't that far off as people are making it seem who is it like the top team like if we're fully healthy who in the east really scares you so it doesn't I'm, seem like yeah i'm not worried right, about anybody exactly so it doesn't seem like the right timing to make that type that type of drastic move to kind of give you that little bit more of a push and to me it's not really that much of a push the only way it is a push if you're talking about late game scoring but if we're talking about depth we don't have much and to get kevin durant you want to give up scotty and, and a couple other core pieces that doesn't really make sense to me you know and, and not to mention that the cap doesn't match so yeah you would have to add decent contracts and so your decent players are going the other way anyway so yeah i'm sticking with scotty yeah i'm with you you definitely want to stick with scotty and he's shown tremendous growth uh as the season season went on but he he was just impactful now i'm not saying that scotty barnes or i'm not, or sorry kd wouldn't be impactful on this team no. but we already struggle with depth and we already have a shortened rotation. Hopefully this season it'll be expanded. But to lose some of those guys, you are literally banking on the health of every single player. But more importantly, you're banking on the health of Kevin Durant, who has had a rough time staying healthy his entire career. Now, he's he balls out whenever he's on the floor. He takes no plays off. He's battled through injuries. He's played through injuries. I know his character is always questioned, but Kevin Durant, the player, I don't think you can question his heart. Yeah. And I think the one thing that he brings to the team that we lack, and we've talked about this many, many times, half-court creation. Mm-hmm. Having somebody like that, that's the missing piece. But if it's going to come at the price of our core and quite possibly the future, I know it's going to be be hard because of salaries and whatnot. But if you're trading for Kevin Durant, you want to have somebody like Scotty Barnes to take take the reins after he's he's moved on or he's retired or whatever the case might be. But trading for Kevin Durant and trading for him, including Scotty Barnes and quite possibly Pascal Siakam, you have no recourse. So I think that idea, I think we need to put a pin in that and quite possibly wait for this to play out. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's probably the best option. Now, I, I, I know we've talked many times about it and the idea of Kevin Durant is very appealing, but the price and what it could <laughs> potentially mean, yeah. I don't know if I'm willing to pay that. And, and quickly, sorry, um, we talked about mentality earlier. And the way he's been handling the last couple of his situations, I don't know if I want to bring that in my locker room. I know it's Kevin Durant. Yes, he's a great player. I'm not saying that. But for what we've been building, what we've retooled this franchise to become, it doesn't seem like the right course of action to throw away, not throw away, give a bunch of your assets away for something that could be a stain in the locker. We don't know. We don't know. Suppose we lose first round, second round. He gets hurt. What's what's stopping him from asking for another trade? And then when he does that, you you already gave away your core pieces. Now you have to try and refill them by trading. It does, doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, I, I, but I think the one thing is, is that if you do have Kevin Durant, that you might be able to leverage something. But, you know, the risk that he's also going to be a year older. Um, and he if he, jumps and if team he, to team. And he jumps from team to team. It, it, definitely not a good look. And it's kind of hard to argue situations because he was in a great situation with Golden State. And I know there was a little drama with, with Draymond. Well, not little. There was drama with, with Draymond and KD. But, I mean, that was a winning team. That was a winning culture. I mean, Steph Curry definitely appears to be one of the nicest guys in the NBA, except when he's playing you and then he wants to murder you and embarrass you (laughs) along the way. But, you know, you leave that situation. I mean, you had a great team in OKC. You left that for Golden State. Then you left there. Then you go to to build your own thing in New New Jersey. Wow. Dating myself. Brooklyn Nets. And, And, you know, you had arguably top 10 best offensive players in the league in Harden and and Kyrie and that didn't work out exactly how is our situation going to be any better and we are in that retooling phase do we fit that timeline for KD Um, I know he likes the players on the team I know we are a championship caliber organization Masai and Bobby have done a tremendous job in in revamping this franchise but Mm -hmm. if he decides to after a year uh you know what this is not the right situation for me we're we're going to be stuck in no man's land and quite possibly be rebuilding at that point in the prime years of depending on what we give away of fred van vliet and pascal siakam to be honest i would rather and it might sound crazy i would rather trade for donovan mitchell and give up less assets than to trade a bunch of assets for kd and I was going to mention that. So thank you for for peeking into my script and <laughs> and and talking about the next topic. So, yeah, I, I definitely feel that Donovan Mitchell would be a much more easier grab salary wise, too. He's making, I believe, about 17 million dollars less, which is huge. I think KD's around 44, 47 and Mitchell's around 30.1, 30.2. So, Mac, very quickly, seeing that we're, that the Jazz are entertaining the idea of trading Donovan Mitchell, do you think the Raptors can quite possibly leverage Donovan Mitchell's availability and quite possibly lowering the asking price for Kevin Durant from Brooklyn? Because it seems like that Brooklyn is teetering along patience and desperation but i think we can both agree that if you are going to trade for anybody right now the safer bet would be donovan mitchell yeah i would i would think that that would be a great way to leverage the kd deal because at at the end of the day if deandre ayton signs that offer sheet with indiana the the sons are out of it Mm -hmm. right unless they try and fork up a three-team trade where they bring uh, miles turner to them but it, a lot of things have to go on for that to happen, and it would kind of hinder hinder the Suns' ab- uh, ability to take on the Durant's contract. So I think if, if Aiton signs with the Pacers, Durant has no choice but to come to Toronto or go to Golden State, right? But in the meantime, I think the Raptors should take take a chance to put an offer out there on Donovan Mitchell. Maybe you throw Gary and OG, and maybe a pick. But then at the end of the day, your 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 starting lineup would be Fred Van Vliet, Donovan Mitchell, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Preston Sachua, Coloco, whoever the hell you want to put at center. 
They can put you team. at center. Yeah, I'll play center. <laughs> Give me a 10-day here or there. You know, but like <laughs> that team, because again, Donovan Mitchell is a scorer. He can get down downhill. He can hit a, a the open three. He's had 50-point games in playoff atmospheres before, even though it was a bubble. He yeah. did put up those numbers. I think he did it without the bubble too. I think he did it. Yeah, he, yeah, he has. But I mean, he he's bringing that half court creation exactly. on the younger side and a cheaper side. And what's what's hurt him in the past is because the the surrounding pieces around him, other than Rudy Gobert, are not good perimeter defenders. Yes, Royce, Royce O'Neal is a good defender, but he had Mike Conley as his point guard, so that backcourt was getting cooked. You have Fred Van Vliet as your backcourt mate. That's fine. You have uh, Scotty Barnes as your as your help defense. You have Pascal as your help defense. You have Coloco, Precious. All those guys are great defenders to put around him, and they can also hit an open shot. It just seems like the perfect meld of or mold, I should say, of of a collection of talent. And yeah, that's why I think Donovan might be the way to go. Yeah, I, I definitely like that idea. Uh, but let me ask you this question before moving on. How do you feel about the Raptors being that third team to facilitate a trade to get KD wherever he wants to go, whether it be Miami or, or Phoenix? I know Phoenix would be a little bit more tricky. But how do you feel about the Raptors being that third team and quite possibly getting some pieces for for the bench, get, giving us that that scoring depth or that combo guard or quite possibly uh, a suitable backup for Fred Van Vliet. I, I definitely like the idea of the Raptors being that third team making it happen because you're not giving up too much assets for, you know, quite possibly one good year of uh, the be- uh, arguably the best player in the NBA. Yeah, I think there could be a scenario where I don't know how it would work, actually. But Utah, uh, Brooklyn, Toronto, and Phoenix, some type of crazy 14 trade um, where we can probably possibly just take Jordan Clarkson off their hands. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that off the bench. Yeah, him, I... You know, if, if you if you have Banton, who's a playmaker, and you have and um, Jordan Clarkson as a scorer off the bench for you, that, that seems like a good combination. What do you think? Yeah, I, I love that. I actually have... That has been like one of my trade targets, and especially with the way that the Jazz are kind of in no man's land with the Rudy Gobert trade, it, it seems like you could definitely poach a player like Jordan Clarkson. Now he's not a great defender, but if you put him alongside, say, Delano Banton, that's a pretty lengthy backcourt that you have to deal with, and it gives Delano a good running mate. Um, mm-hmm. I think Jordan Clarkson would solve a lot of problems for us. Even Nikhil at a cheaper price, Nikhil Alexander Walker. We don't know what Utah's doing with him. He's just sitting there. I think if you throw a second round pick at them, maybe even do a one for one, Malachi Flynn for uh, Nikhil. Why not? Yeah, Nikhil. I mean, he, he's he's six six. I had the opportunity to see him up close uh, at FIBA, and he he kind of reminds me of what Jalen Sims is right now. You know, mm. maybe not as a profi- proficient scorer as Jalen Sims, but definitely has the physical attributes. He's long, he's athletic, and again, plays with this fearlessness. There are opportunities, but it seems like the Raptors have adopted the Phil Jackson Zen-like approach when it comes to these things. And But I feel that 
this is the time that the Raptors should probably go against conventional wisdom, think a little bit outside the box and kind of capitalize and address a certain need. If you can address a need of a scoring parts coming off the bench without giving up the core or giving up a lot of assets and future draft capital to address a need, mm-hmm. it'll be beneficial. So I definitely like, like that way of thinking. So Mac, let's, put aside the hypotheticals with Kevin Durant because we don't know what's going to happen and let's take a look at around the association there's quite a bit that's been going on but let's focus on I hate talking about them but I love talking about them the Lakers (laughs) so we know the drama surrounding Westbrook and Darvingham is enjoying the idea of Westbrook staying on to the Lakers and we know that Kyrie has opted in, but it seems like he's trying to force his way to LA. And it seems like the only thing that's stopping it is that the Lakers are reluctant to part with an additional first round pick. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, you don't want Westbrook there. You want to win a championship. Now trading for Kyrie doesn't guarantee you a championship. But it definitely increases your chances of winning because of the familiarity and the bond, quote unquote, between LeBron and Kyrie. Why don't they just trade that first round pick? Yeah, honestly, they traded all the rest of them. <laughs> just throw one more in the mix and just buy second round picks down the road like you've been doing. Yeah, Kyrie is better than Westbrook at this point. And maybe not. I don't want to say better. I think it would be a better fit with the Lakers. You know, I think Westbrook needs to be ball dominant. He needs to be the guy to initiate everything that's going on on the floor. And with you have LeBron, you have AD, and you don't have a lot of shooters, you're you're gonna get exposed real quick. So I think a guy like Kyrie, who can um, create his own shot, can shoot threes, can he can facilitate if need be. And he, like you said, he has familiarity with with uh, LeBron. I think that'd be a perfect mix. Why not just throw that first round pick out there? Just do it. <laughs> yeah, let, let just just end it and and be done with it. We know we know this is this is like tampering 101. I mean, clutch sports have basically been signed to to the Lakers as you as you mentioned in your episode. If I'm the Lakers, you go all out to get Kyrie Irving because we don't know how much longer LeBron is LeBron has in the league. Yeah. AD's health has been a huge question mark ever since his career started at least you're going to have that consistent production with Kyrie Irving. And let's face it, they they don't have a future. They don't have no recourse. So what's another draft pick at this point? You gutted your future for AD. LeBron is is going to be 39 coming into the season, I believe. He's been dominant for his entire career. And to expect him to still be dominant at the age of 39, get him the necessary help and just be done with it. And for those people that question um, Kyrie's um, willingness to play basketball and his want to, you got to remember who his idol is, his mentor, the guy who he looks up to and talks about till this day, as he should, Kobe Bryant. And do you think that if Kyrie Irving goes to L.A., he's going to do it a disservice to disrespect oh, the legacy, the disrespect the legacy of Kobe Bryant? Not at all. I uh, think this is when you'll see him lock in. Yep. I yeah I, I have no rebuttal. I, I truly believe you'll see the best version of Kyrie in this situation, and but it, it seems like 
the Lakers are trying to recover from trading for AD and knowing what it costs and the position that they're going to be in once LeBron leaves. Because, I mean, he, he, he can sign an extension come August, but there's no guarantee that he's signing that extension. So if he decides to leave and has those aspirations to play with his son, Westbrook comes off the books, you're going to have a whole lot of money to be drawing potential free agents there with only only Anthony Davis. So I, I think for a first time in a long time that, I mean, L.A., it's supposed to be an attractive destination, but I feel that after LeBron leaves and you're just stuck with AD, I don't think it's going to be as attractive anymore. Honestly, this is a hot take. I would trade AD before I trade Westbrook. 100%. Because, 100%. because Westbrook's on a one-year deal now. So take what you got to take from him this year. <laughs> it's yep. $47 million off the books. That's $47 million off the books. If you can't trade him for Kyrie, just keep him and trade AD. That's the way I would do it. I think that's the only way to do it. If you're not going to give up the the draft pick, definitely capitalize on the name of of AD. I think that's their only plan of action. And last but definitely not least, Mac, our prayers have been answered. The NBA Board of Governors approved the heightened penalty for transition. Take fouls. Golf clap. Golf clap, thank you, thank you. So what that means, folks, is that those little take fouls that has killed the Raptors' transition opportunities, you are now going to be penalized for it. So what happens is that the offensive team that had the ball will now have an opportunity to shoot one free throw, a player of their choosing. No matter, it doesn't necessarily have to be the player that was fouled. They take the free throw, make or miss, they regain possession. Now, the only time that the take foul doesn't take take effect and the team doesn't get penalized is in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter and OT with where, you know, late game fouling and free throws definitely makes a lot more sense to, to keep those situations untouched. But Mac, how do you feel? And also, the play-in is here to stay. So we got two solid, I guess, upgrades to the way the league is functioning moving forward. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I've enjoyed the play-in. It's kept competitive basketball all the way down to the end. And also, we don't we avoid this idea of resting players and kind of jockeying for position. Every game matters towards the end of the season. So what do you think about the take foul and the play-in is here to stay? The, the take foul is about five years too late, but at least it's here. You know, yeah. and we can kind of see, I, I envision a lot more highlight dunks, more big moments for the crowd to get into it, the teams to get into it. Um, and yeah, it, it was a perfect move. And as far as the playing goes, I was skeptical at first when it when it was first announced, but I it, it makes perfect sense. It's, it's a great way to keep basketball going. I feel like a lot of other leagues have this built-in tournament style anyway. So why not just add it to the NBA? One thing that I would take away though, is the, the amount of back-to-backs that we're seeing. I think that's one yes. thing that they might, I think that's the one thing that the NBA might look into next. And then after they clean that up, I think we're going to have a nice flow and competitive basketball all year round. Yeah, I, I definitely like that idea of limiting the back-to-backs. The Raptors were definitely up there in terms of back-to-back situations. And especially with this idea of possibly shortening the season in order to avoid injuries and whatnot. And 
I mean, I'm not a professional athlete, but they have access to the best facilities and healthcare in the world that it probably shouldn't be happening as much as it does. But I don't think it's the amount of, amount of games, but I think it's the way that the games are managed that have a lot to do with it. So limiting the back-to-backs would be, would be a priority. Or here's a thought why not go by the geographical location like why yeah. is it that the raptors have a, a back-to-back game and los angeles with the clippers and lakers have to travel to new york and then back to la again or to california again to play the sacramento kings like it doesn't make any sense like if you're yeah. on the east coast play play a plethora of east coast teams and then move on it seems like there's an easy solution to that and they're just not exploring it so I think that's a great idea. Limit the back-to-backs, but I think another point we should add to it. Stick to the geographical location. If you're playing New York, play Brooklyn, play, I don't know, Boston, you know, stick on the East Coast and then, you know, you make your move to the West Coast and then move down South and then back home, whatever the case is. Here's the way to do it. All the games in the fall are in the East and all the games in the winter are in the West. So you don't have to really feel the winter for any for anyone <laughs> for anyone involved that, 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 that's a great idea and especially if you're in back-to-back who who wouldn't want to be chilling in the sunshine waiting for the next game i think that'd be an awesome idea and that brings us to the end of this episode folks thank you for sticking around this episode was a bit of a freestyle i don't know if you guys really caught on to it uh you know, it's kind of hard to to manage time. And then when technology fails you, it, it's kind of hard to maintain a, a certain level of efficiency and productivity. But, you know, we're professionals. Mac has been doing this a lot longer than I have. So, brother, a big shout out to you. And thank you for for jumping on and, and freestyling this episode with me. So what's what's on tap for running off the screen next? Uh, I'm probably going to take a week or two off and wait until like the training camp battles come and I'll do an episode for that and do a, a deep breakdown. But yes, thank you for having me on again. You're, you've been killing it. Little do you know, you're, you're kind of pushing me and motivating me to keep going. Cause seeing you hustle, it kind of keeps me in that game game mentality, you know, keep it going. So uh, yeah, it's been fun and blessings to you and your show. Uh, thank you, brother. And blessings to you and your show and all those involved. As usual, folks, you can find anything in relation to the podcast, Raptors content. If you're looking for KD stuff, your my Instagram page is not for you. <laughs> I only I'm only posting relevant and, and and true content. But you can find it all on Live by the Three. Uh, that is L I V E B Y T H E. Period number three. Follow, like, comment. And until the next episode, everyone, please stay safe. Good people. Peace. <laughs>